0: And now we take you to Evangel Assembly of God in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Today I want to talk to you about
1: choosing hope. Choosing hope. And, uh, Again, I want to invite everybody that wants to to come and join us for our next luncheon today. It's designed for everyone new to the church, or maybe you've been around here for a while, but you've not yet plugged in with us, and you'd like to just learn more about who we are and give us an opportunity to meet you. That'll be downstairs right after church, right after the altar service. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. I want you to read this verse aloud and loudly. It's a familiar portion of Scripture. But don't let your familiarity with it close you off from hearing what the Spirit of God has to say today. Let's read it aloud and loudly. Here we go. For I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and to give you a hope. Now, some of you didn't try very loud, so we're going to do it again, okay? Turn to the person next to you and say, do it loudly now. Come on, tell them. Do it loudly. Here we go. For I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. See, one of the greatest choices God has given you and me is the power of choice, the power to make our own decisions. You and I are not puppets on a string. We're not controlled by circumstances and we're not controlled by life. You and I have the power of choice and all of us will have one day have to answer to God for some major choices that we've made in our lives. Now, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. I would remind you that God's spoke these words to a people who were captive. People They had been incarcerated and taken off to, to modern-day Iraq, to, to what used to be Babylon, against their wills. But God says, listen, you may be in chains, but I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and to give you a hope. The New International Version puts it this way. He says, I know the plans I have for you. The Message Translation says, I know what I'm doing. Now, I love this verse because it's something that that, that that has literally changed my life. And let me share with you how it's changed my life. How many of you recognize that our country is changing? We're seeing some shifts, and it seems to me like we have seen shifts in the United States of America just over the last several months and weeks and it's almost like a spirit of darkness and a spirit of confusion has come upon our political process as we're getting ready to elect a new president and has also come upon our government and in fact people in America are so confused today we don't even know which bathroom to use. That's confusion isn't it? USA Today reported in last Tuesday's edition of their paper, that only 1% of Americans are transgender and 99% are not. And so our federal government is saying we don't want 1% to be uncomfortable. We don't really care what it does to the other larger percentage, but we don't want 1% to be uncomfortable. In fact, USA Today reported that 60% of Americans, over 60%, strongly oppose the, the, the effort to, 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 to just say you can go in any restroom you want to, depending on how you see yourself, 60% are confused about pedophiles going in and, 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 and injuring children. They're concerned about rapists going in and all kinds of bad things happening. And yet our, our federal government doesn't seem to listen. I mean, just, just go figure. In my lifetime, I've never seen so many people that are frustrated, that are angry, that are fearful listen to what the good news translation the way it translates this verse it says i alone know the plans i have for you plans to bring you prosperity and not disaster plans to bring about the future you hope for jeremiah 29:11 new american standard translation says for i know the plans i have for you declares the lord plans for welfare and not for Calamity. New International Version. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. The 1611 King James Version says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace. And not of evil. To give you an expected end. New Living Translation. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. The Message Translation. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you and not abandon you. Plans to give you the future that you hope for. Now why am I belaboring Chapter 29, verse 11, you say, Pastor, it's a promise we're familiar with. Well, I'm belaboring it because it was written to a people who, in the natural sense of things, did not have hope. It was written to a group of people who had suffered because King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of modern-day Iraq, ancient Babylon, had sent his armies. And they had devastated both the land of Israel and Judah. They had Killed millions of people they had destroyed cities they had destroyed their agricultural society and they had take in hundreds of thousands of people captive in chains people had to walk the 700 miles from israel back up to modern day iraq in chains it didn't look like they had any hope at all do you know who were some of those people we know in the bible who made that long trek how about the prophet daniel The prophet Daniel that prayed three times a day, who was made the prime minister of Babylon, and who was thrown into a lion's den, but the lion's mouth could not harm him. How about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They were part of that trek. You'll remember they refused to bow down to Nebuchadnezzar's statue, and so they were thrown into the fiery furnace and Nebuchadnezzar looked in there he said didn't we throw three men in the furnace but I see four and the fourth is like the son of man the son of God I'm going to tell you when you get in your fiery furnaces Jesus said I'll never leave you I'll never forsake you he's going to be with you in the middle of the furnace he's going to be with you in the middle of the fire he's going to be with you in the middle of the storm we just need to look around and and, and see where he is Glory to God. I think about a man named Mordecai. Mordecai was used of God, and he became a prime minister in Babylon as well. And I think about his niece. And this niece's name was Esther. And Esther probably was not taken forth in chains. Esther was probably born in captivity, but her mommy and her daddy were taken to this strange land. But they still had a little girl named Esther. And Esther became the queen of the empire. Now, let's look at at, at Jeremiah chapter 29 in context here. Let's start with verse 4. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who are carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now, pay us particular attention to verses 5 through 7. He says, build houses and dwell in them, plant gardens and eat their fruit, take wives and beget sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters so that you may be increased there and not diminished and seek the peace of the city where I've caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it for in its peace, you will have peace. So there's a word there for us. We need to pray for the peace of Tallahassee. We need to pray for the peace of Florida. We need to pray for the peace of the United States. For in its peace is our peace. Verse 8, for thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you, nor listen to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed, for they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord, for thus says the Lord... Now, watch this. After 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and to give you a hope. Everybody say, I've got a future and I've got a hope. Come on. Say it again. I've got a future and I've got a hope. Then you will call upon me and go to pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away captive, He says again in verse 11, I know the plans I have for you or I think towards you plans of peace and not of evil to give you a future and to give you a hope. God's got a future and God's got a hope for you. Our God is a purpose-driven God. God has a plan. God has a will for your life. God has a destiny for your life and all of hell cannot thwart God's plan for your life. God wants to provide for you and God wants to care for you. I'm going to say that again. God has already made plans to provide for you. God has already made plans To care for you, he has thoughts of peace. That word peace means health, welfare, prosperity, every kind of good for you. He says, I know the plans I have for you thoughts for good and not for evil. That word evil in the Hebrew is ra, R A. And here it's used as evil. Let me tell you how it's used in other other places in the Bible. This same word is translated as adversity. God says I do not have plans of adversity for you or affliction or bad or calamity or disasters or grief or mischief or misery or sorrow. Or trouble. I do not plan for you to be vexed. I do not plan to you for you to live a wretched life. These are not my thoughts toward you. I have thoughts of good toward you. The King James sixteen eleven translation for I know the thoughts I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Everybody say an expected end. That word expected is the same word that's used to refer to the scarlet cord that Rahab tied in her window. You'll remember the two Israeli spies hid at her house, and she let them down over the wall on a scarlet rope, and they said, leave this scarlet cord in your window, and when our armies come to destroy the city of Jericho, we're not going to know that your place is a safe haven. Get all your family and friends, get them inside. Outside is going to be destruction, but inside is going to be safety, and the Bible says that Rahab and her whole family were saved from destruction. In fact, Rahab became an ancestor to King David. Folks, I'm telling you, God says, I've got an expected end for you. I don't have calamity in mind for the people of God. I don't have war and terrible things in mind for the people of God. Now he did tell Israel says you're going to be in captivity for 70 years. Now meditate on that. Think about that. They were in captivity for 70 years. That that, that that they weren't going to just be in captivity for a week or for a month or for a year but for 70 years and what that means is that there were some people that were going to be born in captivity that we're going to die in captivity. And yet God says, I know the plans I've got for you, plans for good and not for evil. I'm sure that's not the way they wanted to see it play out. They didn't want to see life happen the way it happened, but it was because their ancestors were so evil and turned away from God that God used the Babylonians as an instrument to punish them. So now they're in captivity, but even in their captivity, God says, I know the plans I've got for you plans for good and not for evil. Folks, I'm telling you, sometimes life doesn't play along the way you want it to happen. Sometimes things happen, and it breaks our heart. But we just got to turn to our circumstances and say, circumstances, God says he knows the plans he's got for me. They're plans for good and not for evil. He's given me a future, and he's given me a hope. He's at work in my life. Amen. Amen. Look at chapter. Or look, look at chapter twenty-nine, verses five through seven. Here's what he told him to do in captivity. He said, "Build houses and dwell in them." He says, "Plant gardens and eat their fruit." He said, "Take wives and beget sons and daughters." And he says, "Take wives for your sons and for your daughters." And give your daughters to husbands, so that they may bear sons and daughters, that they may be increased there and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city where I've caused you to be carried away captive. And pray to the Lord for his peace, for for, for then you will have peace. Folks, understand something about Babylon. It was an anti-Christ government. It was an anti-Christ culture. It was a pagan culture. They were worshiping demon spirits in the guise of idols. There was all kinds of sexual debauchery going on. Nobody was honoring the word of God. But God says in this context, I know the plans I have for you. Plans for good and not for evil. To give you a future and to give you a hope. You say, well, why did it take 70 years? Let me give you a suggestion. Perhaps perhaps God waited 70 years to deliver them because he knew that there would be other people that would live in ungodly cultures there would be people that would see everything in their all the morals and the values in their world start to collapse there would be people who would see their governments make strange bathroom laws there would be people who would have to go through a culture that's moving away from Christ instead of toward Christ and God says even though you're in that culture you can still be blessed and you can still prosper and I'm still with you and I have forgotten about you and i got a plan for you and it's a plan for good and not for evil to give you a future and to give you a hope somebody say hallelujah now if i keep having to say amen and hallelujah it's just going to take me longer to preach this morning hallelujah now i don't want anybody to raise their hands here but some of you have you've actually thought you thought well if if hillary clinton is elected president i can never be happy and i can never prosper And there's some of you, others of you said, well, Donald Trump's elected president. I can't be happy and I can't prosper. Here's what I want to tell you. No matter what's going around you, it doesn't matter. You are God's people and you are going to be blessed because he's got a future and he's got a hope for you. Now, the only thing that could take them away from that hope And you'll read this in verses 8, 9, and 10. He says, beware of the false prophets. There were some false prophets saying, oh, this captivity is going to be over in a month. It's going to be over in a year. It's going to be over really quick. He says, don't listen to the false prophets. Folks, sometimes our false prophets are simply CNN and Fox News and ABC, CBS, and NBC. We just got to be careful. Somebody said to me the other day, man, it sure was better back in 1955. Well, I don't hardly, I was born in 1954. I don't hardly remember 1955. I'm glad it was good. There's only one problem with that statement. We don't live in 1955. We live in 2016. And we got to occupy until Jesus comes. And we got to deal with what we've got to deal with. And we've got to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And know the greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. <laughs> Glory to God. But there's just a lot of Christians. There are a lot of Christians that have lost their hope. There's a lot of Christians. And instead of looking to the future... A lot of folks are, are living in the past and they want to run up a white flag. Folks, it's difficult today. I, 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 let's, let's not stick our heads in the sands. It's difficult today, but it hasn't changed the promises of God. My Bible says the people that know their God shall be strong and they shall do exploits. Hallelujah. Folks, I, I have never gotten a call from the Supreme Court saying, Terrell, we're getting ready to make a decision and we'd just like to know what you think. We think you're pretty smart. And they just never have called me. Did you know that for the last eight years, I've been waiting for President Obama's White House to call me to ask what I think about some of the issues. They, they've just not called me. But I'll tell you what I know. I know that Jeremiah 29 11 says, I know the plans I've got for you, says the Lord. Plans for good and not for evil to give you a future and to give you a hope. And God is speaking to a nation of people. Many of them are going to live their entire lives in captivity. And God says, I still got good plans for you. You may not be in Israel. You may not be in Judah. You may be in Babylon, but I got good plans for you. You've got a future and you've got a hope. I'm going to meet your every need. I'm going to show myself faithful. You're still going to prosper. Folks, there there are times in this whole life that your circumstances will try to prophesy to you if you let them. So, some of you got that, some of you didn't. Don't you let your circumstances prophesy to you. Don't you let your pains and your difficulties and your heartaches prophesy. You got to take the Word of God and say, I'm going to prophesy to this pain, I'm going to prophesy to this heartache, I'm going to prophesy to this difficult. See, God says He knows the plans He's got for me, says the Lord. And they're plans for good and not for evil. To give me a future and to give me a hope. Hallelujah. Oh, I don't know about you. I just don't let CNN prophesy to me. I just don't let Fox News prophesy to me. I just don't let anybody else prophesy to me that I, I, you know, I can't afford to go down that road. What's God saying to you? He's saying, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and to give you a hope. Did you know that you are called to be a people of great, great hope? The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, in his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope. Everybody say living hope. We don't have a dead hope. You've got a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Hebrews 10, 35 through 36 says, therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Dear ones, when I was a young pastor in my 20s, I would go through tough times. And I'd call my dad, and I'd say, Dad, this pastoring stuff's hard. And he'd listen to me for a minute, and then he'd say, Son, what does Hebrews 10, 35 through 36 say? I say, Dad, I'm not sure. He said, son, get your Bible and look it up right now. And he'd cause me to, to look at this verse. He says, son, read that verse aloud to me. I'd say, therefore do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance. The King James says you have need of patience so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. He said, Terrell, he says, winners never quit and quitters never win. He says you have need of endurance that you might Complete what God has called you to do. And I'm telling you, folks, every one of us, we just need to say, Lord, I thank you that I've got the endurance to 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 keep on keeping on, to keep putting one foot ahead of the other. I'm not going to give up. Hebrews 619 says, we have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. Man, you can have a bedrock anchor in your heart, not to pull you down, but to keep you steady, no matter what's going on around you. Zechariah 9 verse 12 is a verse that I absolutely love. It says, return to your fortress, O prisoners of hope. Even now I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. Look at that again. Return to your fortress, O prisoner of hope. Are you a prisoner of hope or are you a prisoner of despair? Come on, are you a prisoner of hope? Are you a prisoner of faith in God or a prisoner of doubt? Are you a prisoner of hope? Or you're a prisoner of depression. He says, "Return to your fortress, O prisoner of hope." Even now, I announce that I'll restore twice as much to you, folks. I said, "God, I never want to be a prisoner to doubt. I never want to be a prisoner to anxiety. I never want to be a prisoner to to despair. But I want to be a prisoner of hope." He's saying, "Return to your fortress." What he's saying? He says, "Go back and you preach hope to those that don't have any hope. You decide. I'm going to be a prisoner of hope. I just believe." God God's looking for people in 2016 who will say, you know what? I will be a prisoner of hope. I'm going to be an agent of hope. I'm going to be a source of hope. Everywhere I go, I'm going to spread hope. I'm not going to spread despair. When people start talking about how bad things are, I'm going to light a candle and start talking about the goodness of God. When people try to prophesy and my circumstances try to tell me to give up, I'm not going to give up, but I'm going to keep on keeping on. I'm going to be a prisoner of hope. Somebody say, hallelujah hallelujah we just got to let ourselves be taken captive by hope that's to be the narrative of our life we need to be a people of hope evangel is a church of hope hope is a positive expectation of a wonderful good and we need to be people of hope who are speaking hope look at what paul wrote to the romans chapter 15 verse 13 he said now may the god of hope he's the what He's the what? God. Say it one more time. He's the God of hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That you may, may fill you with joy and peace and believing that may you live your life with a sense of divine favor. I'm going to live my life with a sense of divine favor. Are you doing that? Are you living today? Do you have a sense of divine favor on your life? (laughs) Are you able to say, I don't know how? I don't know when. I don't know when it's coming. But I do know that God's coming through for me. And no good thing is he going to withhold from me. I know God's a work to willing to do of his good pleasure in my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Romans 5 verse 5 says, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in the hearts, in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Now hope does not disappoint. But you know what? There are Christians today who have lost hope. There are Christians who, I I just don't know if I can keep on going. Folks, here's what I would suggest to you as your pastor. Allow the Holy Spirit to draw a word picture inside your heart of Romans 15, verse 13. We can go back to that. Draw a word picture. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. You need to close your eyes and just see God pouring joy and peace into your mind, your will, your emotions, your body, your soul, your spirit. God, I thank you today that you're filling me with joy and peace and believing. And I thank you today, God, that I'm abounding in hope by the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm not abounding in fear. I'm not abounding in angst. I'm not abounding in worry. I'm not abounding in, in trouble. I'm not abounding in need. I'm not abounding in, in frustration. I'm not abounding in anger. Come on. I'm not abounding in, in, in discouragement, but I'm abounding in hope. I am a man. I am a woman who's abounding in hope. Hallelujah. We need to close our eyes and let's put that scripture from Zechariah 9 back on the screen. That's out of the New International Version. Justin, you're doing a great job because I know you've had 27 slides to follow this morning. He's about to find it. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 12. It says, return to your fortress, O prisoners of hope. Even now, I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. Return to your fortress, O oh prisoner of hope. I've, I've just closed my eyes and said, Jesus, I thank you for helping me to be a prisoner of hope. Oh, Jesus, I want to be a prisoner of hope and not of despair. I thank you that it's Christ in me who is the hope of glory. I thank you that the hope serves as an anchor for my soul. I thank you that, 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 that you're at work in me to willing to do of your good pleasure. And I thank you that no good pleasure, no, no good thing do you withhold from me because I'll walk uprightly before you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want to share a story with you before I do. Norm, come on up and to the keyboard, if you will. In 1989, I received a phone call. I was pastoring in Illinois, and I received a phone call from Pastor Dale Shields, who said, Terrell, there's a missionary that I really feel like God would have you to meet. His name is Robert Berger, and uh, Robert and Karen have run into a very, very difficult situation. They've been in the nation of Peru for seven years and the ministry they've been working on has is just imploded and, and it's no longer able to he can't work in that church any longer and for a whole whole lot of reasons and he's getting ready to, to start his own church and Terry really needs us to get behind him and help him. Kathy and I met Robert and Karen Berger, And shortly after that, we took our first trip to Peru. And here's what was going on in 1990, 1991 in Lima, Lima Peru, which is the, the capital city. At that time, it had 5 million people. Now it's got about 14 million people. But at that time, the Shining Path guerrilla movement, which was a socialist, communistic guerrilla movement, they were destabilizing the country. They were trying to destroy the the political government, they were trying to they were trying to disrupt the economy and they were going through the villages out in the jungles and in the mountains and they were killing thousands and thousands and thousands of people and conscripting young boys to be a part of their communistic guerrilla army. And inside the city of Lima, they were blowing up factories, they were blowing up hotels. I've been there, I've been... In downtown Lima, and I've been woken up in the middle of the night because a building just down the street was destroyed. I, I, I've, I've seen the chaos that, that goes on. I've heard the gunshots many, many times in the middle of the night. I've been down there probably 25 times. And and, and and the shiny path, they got so bad that the U.S. State Department strongly, they can't order people, but they strongly suggested that all expats, all Americans were to leave Peru and so all the missionaries left well that created a a huge void and Robert and Karen said you know God has called us here we can't leave and during that time they had multiple kidnapping threats on on Robert and Karen and their children in fact they started an orphanage and on Monday mornings Robert would go to the mailbox his his pattern was to go to the mailbox See if any money came in. If it came in, then he would take a bus. He didn't have a car. So he would take a bus over to the orphanage and he would take them the money because they needed it to buy food for the kids. Well, apparently some of the terrorists were watching his movements and they had planned to kidnap him. He had fellow pastors that were kidnapped, some that that lost their lives. And Robert, on this particular Monday, went to the mailbox and the strangest thing he said happened, there wasn't any money in the mailbox. So he didn't take the bus. But they found terrorists outside the gates of the orphanage that were waiting for him. Thank God. God knows what he's doing. The money came on Tuesday. He just said his movement had gotten too predictable. I know the first time I went down there, what we did is we we rented the fairgrounds. And we announced we're going to have a nationwide pastors and Christian workers conference. Because nobody was doing it for him. Everyone had left. All the other missionaries had left, and we would get 1,500 pastors. They would come in from the mountains, and we told them, if you will get here, we'll help pay your way back. And what I noticed is that there was a man that seemed to follow me everywhere I went, and I started to get nervous, and I finally went and said, Pastor Robert, this guy's following me. He says, oh, don't worry, he's your bodyguard. I said, oh, okay. Glad I've got him. When we arrived at the airport, before we got in the van that they had driven to the airport. They would take long handled mirrors and put it underneath the vehicles to make sure that what nobody had put a car bomb in there during that brief interlude from the time they parked to the time they picked us up every time we went to a restaurant, we had to park the cars inside a, 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 a chained parking lot constantino wire, a chained parking lot. They had shards of glass on all the roofs to keep thieves and robbers out. They had constantino wires around. Around the factories. In fact, the first time I was driving through Peru, uh, through Lima, and I, by, in the factory district, I thought I was going by some prisons because of all the barbed wire and all the Constantino wire and the guard towers and guys were up and they had machine guns. And they said, "No, this isn't a prison. That's just a factory. We have to do this because of the terrorist. It's bad situation, difficult situation. There were numerous kidnapping attempts." And murder plots against Robert. He told me that one Sunday morning he had preached and he gave the altar call, and a number of people came forward to give their hearts to Christ. And he said, about the time that he finished the prayer, he said that the, he had a man in his church who worked for the Peruvian government in the, in the Secret Service, and this man came and whisked him off the platform. And they said, the terrorists have a plot to kill you today. And he made Robert stay in the back. Well, it wasn't long before one of the altar workers came and said, "Pastor, we need you to come out here." And here's the, the the government man said, "No, no, no." And Robert, here, here's the altar worker saying, "Come." So Robert went with the altar worker, and there was a man at the altar. He was crying his eyes out. He'd given his heart to Jesus. But he showed them, he brought in, it looked like an instrument, a, a musical instrument, but inside was a machine gun. And this assignment was to kill Robert that day. And Robert and Karen lived through that. And I'd say about 12 years ago, maybe 15 years ago, something changed in the atmosphere because the Christians started praying and seeking God and something changed in the atmosphere and the economy started getting stronger and and outside government started investing in the economy lots of money started to flow from Asia and started to flow from parts of Europe and even from Australia and now from the United States I remember the first time I went to Lima, Peru they didn't even have a Kentucky Fried Chicken they didn't have a McDonald's they didn't have anything like that today you can find any kind of restaurant you want to there because the Christians begin to pray and the Christians would not give up hope. And the Christians said, we just believe that God's at work in ways that we can't see. And we're going to trust him today. Hallelujah. What am I saying to you? God said to those captives, here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to buy into the despair that you see around you. I want you to build houses. Folks, I'm telling you, whoever is elected president of the united states i'm gonna still build houses we're gonna still plant trees we're gonna still harvest the fruit we're gonna still make investments we're gonna still go forward we're gonna still have children we're gonna still give our children in marriage come on no matter what's going on Because God says, I know the plans I've got for you, says the Lord, plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and to give you a hope, thus saith the Lord. And folks, that was true for the captives that were in Babylon, and that's true for everybody at Evangelical Assembly of God and everybody that will watch this broadcast and everybody that will listen to this podcast. God says, I know the plans I've got for you. Plans for good and not for evil to give you a future and to give you a hope. Marco Marco Polo once said that Christians are to be agents of hope. You're called to be an agent of hope. Amen. I want everybody to stand to your feet all over this house. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, we thank you. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to ask everyone in this house just to come and spend some time around the altar. We're going to sing Spirit Breakout.
0: We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Wednesday evenings at 7.00. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.